0: hello everyone and thank you for joining me on a video a very special video edition of our podcast here retail redeveloped I'm very excited today I'm being joined by a, a podcaster that is is well beyond my expertise and and is going to hopefully gingerly walk me down the path of this new brave video world I'm joined by the retail geek right this is now this is not this is not me throwing out barbs. This is, this is a self-appointed title. And, and I call myself a retail nerd very, very often, but I think Retail Geek has a really, really good ring to it. I'm joined by Jason Goldberg. He's a fourth-generation retailer, Forbes contributor. He is a director of the digital retail arm of the National Retail Federation. Basically, he knows his stuff. Uh, Jason, thank you so much for joining me today. Very excited to have you on the program and uh, before we really start nerding out on retail, would you take just a minute and explain to everybody who you are, what you do, why they should care about listening to you when it comes to retail, and more importantly, kind of the why behind uh, your retail passion and and your expertise?
1: Yeah, yeah. Thank. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. It's fun to chat. It's ironic that you've had like these 60 really good-looking guests, and so you did uh, Audio only, And then... The, the time you you finally had a guest who like quite literally has a face for radio uh is the time you decided to use video so thank thanks so much for that um, but uh that being said my my day job is uh, I work for a big um marketing agency holding company called the Pubisys group and i um am the chief commerce strategy officer so uh we have a bunch of agencies uh that listeners are hopefully somewhat familiar with like um uh, Leo Burnett, or Sachi and Sachi, or um, Sapient, or Razorfish, or Digitas—all these agencies work with amazing clients, um, and a subset of those clients have specific commerce goals. So either they're a, a retailer like a Walmart or Target, or they're a brand that that uh, sell a lot of stuff like a Procter and Gamble or Smuckers or Campbell Super, those kinds of folks. And so I, I uh, help all of the the agencies with their. Their commerce expertise, um, and uh, just get to talk about this stuff with super smart people all the time. So always learning and always having fun.
0: So I, for one, will tell you far and away my favorite part about having a podcast. Uh, obviously, not my not my day job, but one of my one of the my favorite parts of my job uh, is because, to your point, I get to talk to insanely intelligent people. Uh, the number of Harvard MBAs and you know, McKinsey specialists and just total studs that I, I would not want to compare brain pans with, uh, that I get to speak with, that, that reach out to me. They're like, hey, hey, goofy real estate guy, we want to talk to you about retail and explain to you, you know, w- everything that you think you know about retail, everything that you've learned in your you know, 15 some odd years of, of commercial real estate and retail it's out the window. Like your, your playbook just got thrown into a wood chipper. Uh, and I, I get to really, really pick these people's brains, uh, ad nauseum and, and learn a tremendous amount about not just where we've been, where we are, but much more importantly, where we're going. Um, I'd love to hear from your perspective, you know, what, what has you excited right now? Uh, obviously. Retail is going through, you know, hate hate to use the, the wood chipper analysis again, but anytime your government mandate is shut down, it's, it's, it's pretty bad. I'd love to hear from you kind of what are you hearing on the street? What has people, uh, you know, we we know what has them scared, but what has them excited? What opportunities are you seeing? And just, just give me a little taste of, of what you're hearing on the street through your conversations and your expertise.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, like in, in general, like it, it feels a lot to me like, Covid is less dramatically changing things and creating trends that didn't exist before. Um, what it what it's really doing is dramatically accelerating us into the future. So uh, a lot of the trends uh, that I talk about with clients are trends that existed pre-Covid, but it's literally like we went to bed and woke up five years in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you know, a, a, uh, that that creates a lot of um, challenges and wood chipper moments per your your metaphor that, uh, you know, is making it uncomfortable for all of us. Like obviously there's, you know, a lot of financial uncertainty, both for brands and retailers and certainly for consumers um, that that brands and retailers rely upon. But there also is a lot of opportunity because of this acceleration. So I've talked to a lot of like chief digital officers or SVP of e-commerce and they would joke that like, man, I never met the CEO of my company before this happened. And now the CEO is like living in my office, right? And so, you know, uh, a, a lot of these companies would have paid lip service to digital being super important. And, and you know, a lot of these, in many cases, hundred plus year old companies um, starting to lean into digital a little bit, but it was really more talking points than actions pre-COVID. And now that we're five years further in the future, suddenly it's a real thing. If you were, a, you know, in the grocery space and digital was 3% of your sales, like you probably didn't get invited to a lot of the meetings. And now, you know, it's 12% and rapidly growing, you know, suddenly you, you have a speaking role in that meeting. So that's the, uh, the challenge and the opportunity of it, I guess.
0: So let's talk about these people that have opportunity that just dropped on the doorstep because this three to five year acceleration that you just mentioned I've heard that over and over and over again over the last couple months from again, again, people that people that follow this very, very closely. What brands or not brands, what sectors, what categories other than grocery and call it home improvement because everybody's sitting around their house being like, Man, I've been meaning to fix that door for, you know, six months, been meaning to get that food done for six months. What other maybe a little less straightforward or in your face uh retailers are seeing tremendous amount of opportunity whether they're taking advantage of it or not whether they're ready for it or not what do you think the opportunity could be in this kind of warp speed acceleration that we're seeing right now
1: yeah well the good news is i don't even think you have to guess like i think it's pretty easy to know because if you big picture if you think of digital disruption of commerce as this i don't know thing that's going to take 50 years um There are some categories that were wildly disrupted by digital 20 plus years ago. If you were in the business of selling movies on plastic circles to people, or uh, albums on plastic circles, your business got dramatically disrupted 20 years ago, i.e. tower records or blockbuster video, right? Um, If you were Best Buy and you were selling televisions, you got disrupted by digital 10 years ago, and today more than 50% of all consumer electronic sales are online, um, if you're in apparel, you probably got disrupted like five years ago. And today, 20 or 30% of all apparel is shopped online. Um, but in February before COVID, if you looked at the digital penetration, you'd see a bunch of categories had barely been touched. You mentioned grocery. That's at like 3% conversion. Um, most food had barely been touched. Right. Um, and so like, I, I actually think of, um, uh, coffee shops and, and quick serve restaurants as a a specific category of retail um they were just starting to get disrupted by digital and had a very low penetration
0: our joke um, was always that food doesn't taste good on amazon because i do a ton yeah. of retail work and that was always uh, our, like ah we're not worried about it food doesn't taste good on amazon and now you know
1: yeah and of course now we're we're all getting food delivered to home um or we're, you know we're ordering it digitally on our phone as we go through that drive through but uh Per the, the joke about the food on Amazon, uh I did read an article this month about some scientists that invented a uh a sort of a touchscreen that you can lick and uh it it delivers different flavors to your tongue. So I'm not sure that's a very COVID-friendly invention, but I'm, I'm per not your gonna point, be on the
0: I'm not gonna be on the beta test for for that one. I, I don't yeah.
1: Think. Yeah. And I'm gonna have to have my own. I'm not gonna use a public one of those. <laughs> uh, but uh that being said, like. Food is a huge opportunity right now. Like all the swim lanes are broken. So like a a whole new crop of competitors is trying to steal your customer, but you have access to a bunch of customers you didn't used to have. Uh, Another really interesting one is value, right? So we're going to be in this giant recession. Um, There's a ton of retailers that do really well in person, but have really struggled online. And that's the value-oriented retailer. So it's both the TJ Maxx's, Marshalls, Burlington Coat Factories of the world, um, Nordstrom Rack, but it's also the dollar generals of the world that are, you know, we're we're sort of on an upswing going into this. It's going to dramatically accelerate their upswing, but historically, digital hasn't been very important to them, and now there's this huge, huge new digital opportunity for them. So, you know, I, I think you can kind of go to Forrester and see which categories have been heavily digitally penetrated and the ones that haven't are really the biggest opportunity. So grocery CPG food, um, uh, value are all, you know, good places to, to play right now. If you're up for, as you say, inventing your own playbook.
0: So how far do you think this acceleration will go? Because I personally, I have nothing to do with dollar general or family dollar or anything like that. It's hard yep. for me to imagine a world where all of a sudden dollar general is, is leading the charge uh, for digital. I, I just, I, their stores are so basic, so simple, so kind of just geared for every man, very, very middle fairway. Do you think it'll go that far where even, even people like Dollar General, like TJ Maxx, Marshall's, I get that. Even though a lot of their stuff, when you go in is so disorganized, it's hard for me to imagine it, it really getting, you know, perfectly yeah. skewed. Online, but do you think it's going to penetrate that far?
1: I, I do. I, I think the future is always hard to imagine, and of course, you know, we talk about jumping forward five years. If I put you in a time machine and jumped you back ten years, like pick any of these categories that are wildly digital right now, um, and if I said, like, you know, uh, to Best Buy ten years ago, you're going to sell more TVs online than you're going to sell in the in all of your stores combined, they would say. You're high, like TVs weigh like 500 pounds, Jason, and a note, UPS won't even ship them, right? Um, and, and so you, w- you wouldn't have believed it. Uh, like I, I have sat in board me- uh, meetings with the chairman of Williams-Sonoma. Yeah, people don't want to buy uh, uh, cooking appliances online. Sorry, right? More than half of Williams-Sonoma's business is online. So in that same way that like it's impossible for the you to imagine some of these things until they happen, I get that it's really hard to imagine a, a general, dar general um, being heavily digital. But here's the thing to think about: before COVID, foot traffic in all stores was down. Sales was not down. Like, but there, here's an interesting trend: fewer people were going to every store. Few, few fewer people were going to every one of your client stores. But when they went, they bought more, and they actually spent less time in the store. That had a higher conversion rate. More of them that walked in, bought something, they bought more and they walked out. And you know why that is? It's because they did more of their shopping before they walked in your store. So like pre-COVID, for, uh, 52% of all consumer purchase decisions were digitally influenced. You visited a manufacturer's website to read ratings and reviews. You use Google Maps to see which store was closest to you. You read Yelp to see which store had the best service. Um, you you know you checked prices on Amazon, um, all of those digital things um, you can only do if there's some way to know that the store has what you're looking for, right? So even Dollar General, um, I want to pre-shop that digitally. I want to know that they have shampoo before I go to the store. If they only have shampoo when it's a good deal, and so they only have it some of the time, post covid for a variety of reasons i'm super not interested in driving to Dollar General, finding out they don't have shampoo this week and then having to go somewhere else to get my shampoo right um, and so like the winners in the dollar space are going to enable pre shopping and then you have this other huge problem: the stores aren't going to be allowed to let as many customers in their store at a time right so However valuable your store was per customer before, you're going to have fewer customers in it at peak times because it's not safe to have 3,000 customers in a Costco at once. Um, Stores are all uh, constraining the amount of customers they can allow in the store at peak times. That's probably going to last 18 to 24 months. And so if you're a retailer and you want to have anything like your pre-COVID sales, you got to do more curbside pickup. You got to sell more stuff to people that don't walk in the store. You can only do that if you have a digital presence. So there's a darwinian effect at play if one of the dollar stores gets better at digital pre-shopping than the others they're going to win. And we're we're seeing it right now. Consumers are picking new stores because of digital prowess. Before COVID, most of them, one of America's top grocery stores for customer satisfaction was Trader Joe's. They're, everybody loved them, great experience. The people are awesome. Now that people want to make sure that the Starbucks coffee is going to be in stock before they drive to the grocery store and Trader Joe's like barely has a website and doesn't have any product inventory on their website, all those Trader Joe's customers are becoming Walmart customers or Whole Foods customers because they have a better digital experience. So we're seeing right now... Darwin is killing off Trader Joe's and is promoting the the gene pool of of Whole Foods, right? So th- those kinds of things are happening.
0: I I absolutely understand uh, where you're going, and it, and it makes me ask the question: how how far did this accelerate that kind of digital ecosystem, that frictionless experience? Uh, and what do true brick and mortar retailers need to do in order to be one of the brands that are that are standing? Because everything, every person that I talk to says, you know, we don't even call it omni-channel anymore, right? Because that's not that's not even effective. It, it's more of just, you know, you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna to your point, you're gonna look on a website here. You're going to go to an Instagram and maybe see how other people are using it. You're going to go to Facebook and see if any of your friends are using it. And then you're going to say, I still want to touch and feel it. I want to go to the store. And if it checks out, that's your purchase decision. And you know the metrics for these stores are completely screwed up because to your point, they can't track You know what is this store doing in these four walls because somebody might go and see it and be like, you know what? I don't want to carry this home. I can have it in my house in a day. I'd rather just buy it online when I get home it's changing so much. So how can retailers keep up and what retailers do you think are going to, are going to win this, this acceleration battle?
1: Yeah, well, uh, so it's, it's tricky. Uh, The first thing to know is we're, we're headed into a giant recession. Fun fact about recessions, that recessions are almost always when incumbents get knocked off. Um, So there's this like funny stat, like every 20 years, like 50% of the fortune 500 turns over. So like companies fall off and new companies come on. So there's a lot of change on that, on that 500 biggest companies in America list. Um, And 85% of those companies that fall off, fall off during a recession. So first thing to know, (laughs) like this is as an incumbent when you're most vulnerable, like if uh, you have to be most worried about challengers and if you're a challenger, like this is your best opportunity to land a punch. Like um, the the recession creates um, churn in in uh, the the top brands. So like what you have to do to be successful is is uh, easy to say but super hard to do. You you have to break out of the innovators dilemma mindset. You have to break out of that thought process that like what got us here, what made us a huge successful retailer is going to continue to make us successful over the next 10 years. You have to sort of take the mindset that COVID put you out of business, that it ended your your, um, tenure as a retailer. And now you've got to invent a new retailer starting today and think about not how that would be different than how you were last week, but what the customer wants today and build that from scratch. And like, I'll be honest, it it's super easy to talk about all this stuff, and every retailer in America, per your point, have good talking points like about omni-channel. Uh, we put the customer in the center of everything. We don't count these channel-specific things. We're not even reporting e-commerce sales separately anymore. Like they all have good talking points, but behind the scenes, if you go look at their org chart, um, guess what? They still have a bunch of digital people in California, and they have the brick-and-mortar people in. Bentonville, right? Like they're still hugely siloed and they're not acting very like omni-channel. And so blowing up those silos and inventing a new company, that's super hard to do. But the companies that tend to uh, survive these kinds of inflection points or challengers that win in these inflection points, like are able to do that. So if I had to put a bet, like, It's the companies that were doing that before COVID struck. It's like in the middle of COVID, it's extra hard. Um, So if you were already a company that leaned into digital, Walmart was running ads in the Super Bowl for curbside pickup for grocery, right? So who do you think has a better shot at digital transformation? walmart and sam's club that were that were running digital ads at the super bowl or costco that said why would we ever encourage someone to uh buy online instead of going to the store the store is where we make our money right like the you know i I, you know costco has been one of the greatest retail success stories of the last 40 years my money's on walmart over costco because of their their uh their digital leanings like uh like do you bet on on a Nordstrom Rack that's been leaning into digital for a long time or do you bet on Burlington Coat Factory that turned off their e-commerce site in February because e-commerce just wasn't important <laughs> like uh you know what I mean i i my bet is like take those guys that weren't just talking about omnichannel but but were actually leaning into creating digital experiences and so by that math one of the very best is going to be a target that like they they launched digital, but they really focused on digital for their in store inventory. So they you know um, they they like eighty percent of all their e commerce orders before COVID they were filling from a store, curbside pickup, home delivery, ship from store, and so they weren't just talking about omni channel. They had actually implemented a robust omni channel supply chain, and I feel like that those kinds of moves before COVID give you a very big advantage during COVID.
0: Yeah, I had an experience, a curbside pickup experience this week that was kind of the opposite of of uh, of helpful. I randomly, I've never been to the container store before in my life, yeah. but I happened to need a little box, right, a little plastic box, yeah. and they had it. So I call Your house
1: looks like really put well put together. So
0: I'm, I'm yeah. 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 Super well put together. Rock concert, racing posters. It's, it's very, it's very well put together. Yeah. My, my designer costs so much money. Um, so I go to the container store. I'm like, there's no way they're going to be open. No, go ahead and buy it online. No problem. Um, I go to place the order. It's not going to be ready until like, 36 hours from now or something like that. I was like, wait, what? I, it, I can see it's in stock. It's not that big of a store. Like I'm just going to drive over there and grab it. No big deal. So I get there. There's like 50 cars in line. There's one very elderly gentleman running around in the heat. It's hot, like trying to fulfill these orders. You know, I walk up. I'm like, hey, I ordered this stuff. He's like, when's it supposed to be ready? I was like, told me it wouldn't be ready for like a day and a half. I kind of need it now. He was like, laughed me out of the store, yeah. basically. Like, <laughs> what are you? No, like, we're not going to do that. I'm like, but I, I can see it. It's like, the, I just let me grab that. And so you you have a lot of companies that I think are being forced into digital commerce, e-commerce, are not anywhere remotely prepared for it. And to your point, I think there's going to be massive opportunities for people that have digital in their DNA, as opposed to people that are, are pretending to care about it.
1: Yeah, no, totally. And you've hit on one of the, the perfect paradoxes of digital and COVID, by the way. Like, so I'm not sure how good a digital score I would give the container store, but they're interesting. Um, they're, they've been super customer centric for a long time. They're, they're founder uh, tip, uh uh, Kip uh, Kendall is a, a huge advocate of, put, of, of customer centricity and is written a, uh, you know, a really well-selling book about it. Um, so surprise, Container Store launched curbside pickup four years ago, which for most retailers, curbside pickup didn't exist four years right. ago. No one had ever right. heard of it. And to be honest, as a retailer, if, if you said curbside pickup, they would say, that's stupid, Jason, because when I make the customer walk in the store to pick up their orders... They spend twenty percent more. Like so, Macy's, of like they have buy online, pick up in store, but they want you to go in the store because you discover new stuff to buy. If I just let you get your stuff at the curb, you won't discover any new stuff, right? So it's not even in our economic best interest to launch curbside. Um, yet, uh, Container Store recognized four years ago: we sell giant bookcases and furniture and closet systems and. You know, nobody wants to walk in the store and wheel that stuff out. They want to pull up in their SUV, pop open the trunk, and have, a, have us load it. So on the one hand, props to them. They invented this very early experience. But then they've hit the, the digital COVID paradox, which is every one of my clients that's responsible for a digital experience, they're like, high five. I'm getting way more customers to try my experience than ever before, right? Uh, Walmart's a client. They have a grocery app. It's really hard to get people to download your mobile app. And so, you know, Walmart had marketed the heck out of this app forever. But when COVID happened, four times as many people downloaded the Walmart mobile app. So on the one hand, you're like, yes, brother, we're getting way more trials than ever before. Someone's responsible for curbside pickup at Container Store. And they're like, yes, we get way more people trying our experience. But then the paradox is the customers that try it are getting the absolute worst crappy version of the experience that's ever happened. Right. So think of all those new Whole Foods grocery delivery customers that like, oh, I'm gonna try ordering groceries online. Oh, sorry. All out the delivery of windows are, are gone. You're gonna have to wake up at 3 a.m. and book a thing, and then you're gonna order a bunch of groceries that you're relying on. And when that guy shows up a day late, he's not gonna have any of the stuff he promised you. And he's gonna do wacky substitutions. Um, you know, so you're gonna you're gonna get like uh, pita bread instead of bread and all the weird stuff. So it's a mixed bag. COVID's forcing way more digital trials than ever before. The customer experience is at an all-time low right now. So a big problem for the industry is, are people going to keep using those digital tools once the supply chain settles down a little bit? Or will they go back to their old shopping habits because their digital trial was so sucky, right? And I mean, I have an opinion, but it's a it's 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 an interesting conundrum.
0: I'd I'd love to hear what you think these retailers are going to do because I'm a brick and mortar guy, right? Like you're an e-commerce yeah. guy. I'm I'm a I'm a I'm a brick and mortar guy. Like how can these retailers and what categories of retailers how can they make their store experiences so interesting that You're going to go into the store at least once. Like even if you can get it on their app and it shows up to your your house in 24 hours, you still want to go and be a part of that experience. Like for example, you know the Samsung store in Manhattan or Restoration Hardware. Their new RH stores are freaking like they're amazing. Like you just want to walk around them and experience them. Uh, The Sonos store in Manhattan, the the Nike experience stores. Like these places are. Yeah. yeah, They're probably not, you know, ringing the bell on, on sales records out of these stores, but, but it, it's, it's part of their, the kind of the essence of their brand. Who who do you think is going to come out of this even stronger because of that? And, and what kind of categories do you think lend themselves to that?
1: Yeah. Uh, well, so, Hey, I have to let you in on a secret. I am definitely not an e-commerce guy. Like I'm a, I'm a retail guy. And so like, fourth-generation retailer. I, I started my, my career at Blockbuster Entertainment. We opened a store every 12 hours for the three years I, I, I worked there. <laughs> Hell uh, yeah, yeah, uh, it's a joke now. All my colleagues have a slide talking about how dumb we were at Blockbuster. And then I usually chime in from the back of the room and say, we did sell the company for $9 billion and got out. So there is, <laughs> there is that. But um, it turns out timing is a big deal with everything. Um, the, uh, but so I, I believe in brick and mortar. I don't think brick and mortar is going away. Um, I, I think how customers want to use it is evolving. And so I guess in general, the first thing I'd say when a client comes to me and says like, how do we make retail interesting? I'd say that's the wrong goal. Like I don't, I don't want to artificially force people to go to the store that don't want to go to the store. Like there's a bunch of occasions and missions and use cases that the store is just the best thing to deliver. And so what I wanna be is most helpful to the customer. And it just happens that in my opinion and most people's opinion, uh, the store is going to be a super important tool in that arsenal of tools to meet the customer's needs, right? So per your point, there's absolutely a need for discovery, right? You're getting a gift for somebody, you don't have something in mind. Um, you 're remodeling your house you want inspiration you, you don 't know what sofa you 're looking for you don 't even know if you want a sofa yet you want some inspiration right so uh and the digital tools we have right now for product discovery and inspiration like mostly stink and they 're mostly not even commerce tools like there's no e commerce site that 's good for discovering the core ideas um house is better for discovering uh uh those things, Pinterest is better for discovering those things, but all of those things pale in comparison to spending an hour browsing through the RH store. I to- totally agree, right? So, so there is a purpose for that, comma, there's no one in America that gets joy out of shopping for paper towels, <laughs> right? So uh, probably um, you would way rather your paper towels magically show up on your doorstep a day before you run out of paper towels and you never have to order it again, or you'd probably prefer that your dishwasher order its own soap, and you never have to think about it again. So for some things, auto replenishment and reducing all the friction and not going to the store is the answer, right? If you come to me and say, Jason, I'm thinking about opening a chain of paper towel stores, I'm gonna say probably not a a very good idea. But in categories that have a discovery component uh, or an unplanned purchase component, retail is gonna be super important um, but retail is also important in other categories again even if you get all your groceries delivered I'll bet you still want to take your family to the grocery store when you're planning your Christmas meal I'll bet you there's something about the ritual of shopping for your special occasion meals I'll bet you there's something really special about going to the premium liquor store um, to buy that you know to browse and buy the alcohol for that party you're hosting um, you know there I don't think it's an either or for most categories of retail. I think there's occasions that can best be met by going to a store and there's occasions that can best be met via all these digital tools and the best retailers won't care which, which tool you use. They're going to want the right set of tools to meet the customer's needs, whatever those, whatever that need is.
0: I think that's extremely well put. I think the customer centricity of that statement just screams, success right i think good retailers don't care uh and just your the the way you put that to where it's still all about the customer right i mean obviously everybody loves when the paper towels show up but so what other other than you know home remodeling because we actually touched on that earlier home decorating where else do you think there's an opportunity uh for for this discovery, for this inspiration, I, I love how you put house and Pinterest in there too, as, as discovery and inspiration tools. I, I, I 100% understand that. What other what other categories do you get excited about? Like, I, I still yeah. think food and beverage is going to rebound. Uh, I just everybody's sick of doing dishes. Everybody's sick of 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 not getting their their the right latte that their that their barista knows how to make. I see that rebounding as soon as. Uh, there's a little less friction in that process. Cause I can tell you, I went out to dinner the other night and there was still a lot of friction in that process. Uh, but, but what else, what else yeah. kind of gets you well, excited as like kind of a, kind of a rebirth uh, situation or or even somebody's that's going to come out of this?
1: Yeah. Well, so I think, I think there are categories that have some of those same um, attributes that like home decor have, like, so apparel is obviously one where there's, you know, c- going to continue to be, um, uh, you know, some significant advantages around a physical experience and feeling textiles and trying fit, although all those things are going to dramatically change post-COVID, what you'll want to try on and the dressing room experience and all those things. There, there still is going to be a, a fundamental human desire um, for in-store experiences. But then broader than that, there are lots of other places where some of the occasions you might want stuff delivered home. I joked about the paper towels. Um, but there are still going to be occasions when you're going to want to go to a store to meet some of those needs. So what happens when it's the night before your dinner party and you just ran out of paper towels, right? Like you want to go to the store and know you can get some right now, right? Um, when, uh, when, you're going to pick up that prescription and the over the counter, um, uh, medicines that are supposed to go with that prescription are in the store at the same time. You don't wanna order those and have them be delivered some other time. You wanna get all that stuff in, in one trip. Um, sometimes, like if, if you're a, a really avid online grocery shopper, sometimes you just like to browse the store and discover new stuff. Oh, I didn't know they had an olive bar. I, I've never really been into olives, but I think I'll try some of these olives, right? Like every category of retail, there are still gonna be occasions and missions when you're gonna to wanna to go in the store. And if you think broader than just acquiring, if you think about ownership, um, there's a huge chain of things we think of as retail stores that are super successful. They're called Apple stores. But guess what the majority of people that walk into an Apple store are looking for? Customer Uh, service. Genius bar, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's the most popular thing in there. It's a post-purchase experience Venue will they sell stuff to you? Absolutely, and that helps fund that store. But the real mission of that store is customer service and brand affinity, right? Um, it's it's not its real mission is not a fulfillment of that new product. In fact, if you're a brand loyalist that always orders their new thing, what has Apple done over time? They've shifted you from standing in line to get it at the store to delivering it first thing in the morning via UPS on the first day it's available. Like they've They've very intentionally changed that experience. And yet, even with every new customer in America getting home delivery of a new iPhone instead of standing in line at the store, revenue and growth of the Apple stores is still phenomenal, right? Um, And then you alluded to another purpose of retail stores is sort of brand ambassadorship, right? So per your point, uh, the Nike House of Innovation on Fifth Avenue probably is not the world's most profitable store. Uh, The Samsung uh, 837 experience for sure is not the most profitable store because they don't actually sell stuff in that store, right? um, But those stores help build um, that brand affinity that then causes you to buy a Samsung TV from Best Buy instead of an LG TV from Best Buy because you had that amazing experience in your Manhattan vacation, right? Um, And so for sure, there's still... A role for brand ambassadorship, and and for sure, I don't think digital commerce means we stop building brands and we stop creating aspiration and we just get really tactical around like you know uh, catalog shopping. Um, I think there still is a huge role and opportunity for building brands and. Physical experiences where you can touch something and smell something and taste something, um, and where you can imprint all these visceral memories about something, are one of the most powerful ways to do brand ambassadorship. So, do I think Samsung should open one of those stores in uh, Bozeman, Montana? Probably not, right? But cool town
0: though, Bozeman's cool town. I mean, you
1: you should go to Bozeman for sure, (laughs) but don't waste all your time shopping for consumer electronics there. Like, get outside, right? Like, but yeah.
0: Well, Jason, this is this has been f- phenomenal. I've I've learned so much. I, I knew uh, just from reading some of your work that we were going to have uh, a lot of fun talking, and I've learned a ton. I, I've I've written a, a half a page of notes just on 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 some of your insights. Uh, if if you could leave us with with a couple things, first first off, please explain to people how they can connect with you, how they can follow what you're doing, how they can interact with you. Uh, you're more than just a face on a screen. You're a living, breathing retail geek. Uh, tell people, tell people how they can that they can find you.
1: Yeah, well, I'm the most overexposed uh, retail guy on the internet, so I'm. Uh, uh, it's pretty easy to find me. But uh, I, I do use the Retail Geek moniker everywhere. So you know, uh, I interact with a ton of folks on Facebook or on uh, Twitter under at Retail Geek, um, and then uh, uh, I I do have a podcast that I've been doing for a long time. Um and so in the highly unlikely event that you didn't get enough of me you can you can uh go find the worst SEO podcast in the history of podcasts the Jason and Scott show and my my much smarter better co-host Scott his parents spelled his name wrong so it's <laughs> it's it's uh actually S C O T um but but I am happy to say if you go type e-commerce into iTunes we will be the first one to pop up so um, right,
0: I'm going to hit you with a couple quick you know, knee knee jerk kind of yeah. kind of questions. Uh, what do you think of when you hear the term retail
1: apocalypse? Uh, yeah, oh, like overhyped and not happening. We're we're going to close a ton of stores in the U.S. because we have way too many stores. So not the best for you, real estate guys. Uh, but retail is going to be a super important part of of uh, brick and mortar is going to be a super important part of retail forever. And we're going to see new exciting retail concepts come out of the ashes of this. Right. So.
0: Talk to me about an innovation that you didn't see coming that you're seeing because of COVID. For example, uh, a friend of mine owns a brewery and all of their sales were based on tap room. Two weeks after COVID happens, they have their own canning line and they're distributing throughout three states and actually, you know, doing, doing quite well. And they would have, they never had any interest in that business whatsoever. It was, it was necessity mother of invention. So hit me with something else that maybe you didn't see coming, but made a total made a ton of sense now.
1: Yeah. Well, there are a lot of ones, um, like new technologies for stores. So like there are all these guys who were selling traffic monitoring systems to count traffic and, um, and kind of do queue management in a retail store and they're cool, but they didn't really have an ROI. Um, and now every retailer in America, you know, has a rule about how many people are allowed in the store. So good time to be in the, the, the traffic queuing technology business. Um, you mentioned alcohol. There's a lot of reasons why categories would I do that be. a lot. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, digitally successful. Um, and one is regulation, right? Like it's super easy to go, Oh, alcohol is not going to be an early adopter of digital because it's mostly illegal to ship stuff to people. Right. Like, and, uh, and it's for sure a multi-tier distribution system. And so I would have never anticipated that in a matter of weeks, like all the municipalities would pass new laws and give all these businesses permission to sell alcohol off-prem and ship alcohol home. I think in the same way that like probation, prohibition didn't stick, they're going to have a hard time telling people they can't get a designer cocktail with their DoorDash orders uh, in the future. And so I think there's like a permanently bigger opportunity for mixed drinks and spirits to be delivered than I would have ever thought was possible. Um, uh, pre pre COVID. So, you know, there's a, a lot of stuff like that. I, I wouldn't have invested in uh, UV lights, but man, every retailer is going to be installing all these UV lights to flash on all the shelves to, you know, make customers feel like it's been sterilized. So,
0: yeah, I I I a hundred percent agree. Last one. I'm going to let you go. What do you think about, uh, Retail as a service type brands, beta, neighborhood goods, Naked, places like that. Obviously, not a great time to be you know, pioneering in that space, but still a very yeah. in- interesting space. I'd love to hear your take on yeah. it.
1: So I like the idea of retail as a service, um, although it, it's been slow to catch on. Um, I mostly don't like the executions of retail as a service that we have out there. So if we talk about like the spectrum of those companies, like on one end of that spectrum is beta. Um, and I put, uh, uh, like what's the, uh, oh my gosh, uh, show a- on the other end of that spectrum, mm-hmm. um, as retail as a service company, beta has a point of view. Why would you go to beta? because you want to discover some new consumer electronic gadget that you didn't know existed, right? So they, they have a curation. They, before you go there, you know there's a reason to go there, and they solve a specific need for you, right? So I actually think beta is a totally viable concept. I feel bad for those guys. Like, you know, uh, it, it's going to be a significant hardship for the, you know, the next couple of years as, as a lot of the like, retail traffic for discovery has gone kind of wiped out. Um, on the other end of that spectrum, I think Showfields is an entirely stupid concept. Like there's, there, there's no reason to go to a Showfields, right? Like no customer the slide. ever said- They have a slide. Yeah. So, yes. So if you want to go down the slide, which I do like the slide, um, that's fair. But there's, there's no consumer problem you've ever had where you say the solution to that consumer problem is to go to Showfields. Um, and they're going to have different stuff every time you're there. You can't like, and none of that product is curated. A merchant didn't go, we want to have the best gifts. We want to have the best travel accessories. The space in that store is available to whoever pays the most money. And guess who wants to pay the most money? The people with the crappiest, least popular products, right? Um, And so it's a collection of stuff that people couldn't sell um, that's, paying for space that no one has a reason to go to, right? And so I think it was a, an interesting novelty um, that gets like utterly destroyed. And I think they've said they've closed and they're going to try to think of a new concept <laughs> before, the, before they reopen. So I, I like the idea of, there are all these hard digital things to do. Retailers don't need to be great at all of them. They can rent them from, from companies like Beta. I like the idea of selling that, Service to retailers that have a point of view, I like the idea of beta 's consumer stores that have a point of view. I would kind of put neighborhood goods in between those two right it's it 's more apparel centric like you you have a little better idea what you 're going to discover there but it's it 's imperfect and then uh, no offense to the folks at showfield that probably are going to come looking for my head, but I just think. I think that was a proof of concept and an interesting way to waste some investors' money, but I don't. I never thought that was going to scale and be a great solution.
0: I, I love anybody that can say no offense to someone and then just eviscerate totally. every single thing about their concept, their investors. Yeah.
1: That, Let me restate that. I know this is going to be offensive. No <laughs> but I'm going to say it anyway. Intended. Right, yeah. Right. <laughs>
0: Well, J- Jason, I wanna, just want to take a second and acknowledge you for taking time out of your day, especially in times as crazy as this where we're all working from home or or completely empty offices. Um, I learned a lot. I look forward to having another conversation with you at some point soon. Uh, and just thank you for putting your expertise out there and uh, sharing it with my listeners and, and, and viewers for this podcast. And I just want to take a second and say thank you and acknowledge you for taking time.
1: Oh, my gosh. The pleasure is all mine. Thanks. Uh, Enjoy the chat, as always, and uh, uh, look, look forward to the next one.
0: Wonderful. Thanks, guys. Once again, Adam Williams with Retail Redeveloped.